0: If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sill with a money-back guarantee. It's all natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sill, like silicon. Go to sierrasill.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome in to this personal Drift story. One of connection in life and beyond. The power of touch and the beauty of memories. Made possible by Envy Pillow. It's a Canadian designed ergonomic pillow that cradles your face and aligns your spine and was created by Kathy and Kim, two registered nurses with your health and the planet in mind. Learn more in the morning at Envy. ENVYPillow.com Before we start, I'll invite you to settle in with me. Get comfortable and adjust your pillow, your covers, your legs, and your arms. Release the tension in your whole body and just lie there. You've earned this. So take a few deep cleansing breaths in and out in and out. Good. And if you're ready, let's drift. First, a bit about what I'm going to share with you. A few years ago, My husband and I were living what we thought was the perfect life. I knew how truly blessed we were. But we weren't oblivious to loss or suffering around us, and so I called it the bubble. At the time of the great shift in our lives that happened in 2015, we had already lost my mom, and a very dear friend had cancer. That was far advanced, so while our worlds had already felt a tremor, there were many for whom bears wobbled on its axis. We knew we were in a place of feeling fortunate for not being in pain of that kind, or knowing a loss so deep that we didn't even know if we would ever recover that term. The bubble has come to mean something quite different now. But this was long before it referred to the people closest to us, with whom we could feel safe in the midst of turmoil in the world outside. Our bubble was one of happiness. We had an adult child who had a great career on the go, had married a lovely man, and together they had just welcomed a beautiful baby son. Our bubble included my fulfilling job in radio and outside of those early morning hours, partnering with my husband of now over 30 years, whose own full life included not only producing my work for and with me, but a regular regimen of hockey and playing and performing music. It was a life that was meandering in all the right directions, parenthood, grandparenthood, and so much joy. That bubble shattered in May of 2015. I likened it to a perfect snow globe smashing on the dark, dew-misted tiles of a tropical hotel lobby, which is where we were when we learned Lauren had died in her sleep. She was 24. And although we have no answers, we have a beautiful grandson a new granddaughter thanks to his dad's remarriage, and a life in which we are constantly in search of, and most fortunately, in the comfort of, joy once more. In my 2019 best-selling memoir, Morning Has Broken, Love, Loss, and Reclaiming Joy for HarperCollins, I wrote and tell of our family's story. But there's so much more. If you'll let me, I'll tuck you in with a few sleep thoughts to give you comfort to hold in the palm of your hand. Sometimes at night, at around this time, just before I drift off to sleep, and as Shakespeare so perfectly put it, perchance to dream, I put one hand in the other, and I imagine it's our daughter Lauren holding my own. Perhaps you're doing it now holding one hand in the other. I haven't touched her fingers in a handful of years now, the last time being the chilly May day on which she laid in a plain box, wearing the dark blue jersey pajamas we'd given her for her birthday a few months earlier. Even then, as cold as they were to my own tear-drenched fingers, her pale skin was so smooth, those perfect perfect hands, the ones that the nurses who delivered her remarked upon when they first saw her. We called hers piano fingers for their length and span. And sure enough, she used them to chord on a keyboard, on a guitar, and to reach for the proper spot on the smooth but unforgiving neck of a cello. She used them to type with lightning speed upon an undoubtedly crumb-sprinkled computer keyboard to make her radio newscast deadline. Those fingers held a pen to craft thank you cards and letters to friends, relatives, and strangers alike. Her gratitude flowed from their tips as easily as black gel ink. The tips that endured a finger prick to test and ensure she could give blood. She did that as often as she was allowed, not for money, that's not a thing where she lived, but to give back for such a blessed life. They were the hands that donned warm gloves and rang the bells for charity donations in the market at Christmas time. They were the hands that were still and frigid when her husband tried to awaken her that morning after her joyous first Mother's Day, the ones that had gently cajoled her hungry boy to take what little milk her body would make. They were the careful hands that rocked her baby to sleep that one last time before her full loving heart stopped in the night. They held my heart and her daddy's heart in their palms and I held them whenever she would allow me, sometimes even finding ways to sneak my fingers into her own. Like the evenings when, as a teen, she'd join me at a yoga class. She never went entirely willingly. There was a certain amount of begging involved every time, but occasionally she'd relent and join me for a gentle class of stretches and poses breathing and connecting, not only with ourselves, but with each other. And so, every few weeks, we would find ourselves side by side on our thin mats in a quiet, softly lit room among a class of a dozen or so women. She was always the youngest, something I would notice with gratitude and a bit of wonder. Maybe it was because of the example I set, or didn't set. I was not the most ardent student myself. I confess that yoga class was something I would both dread and look forward to. Far from confident in my abilities to get into or out of a pose gracefully, never mind holding it, I knew it was good for me, and sometimes... Don't you find that when you do something you know you'll be grateful for later, like going to the gym or even getting to bed just a bit earlier, you sort of drag your feet before you do it? Funny that. Like we're almost reluctant to do something nice for ourselves. What is it about us? Is it our propensity towards doing for others? and leaving precious little time for the person who is giving and doing. Simply being gentle to ourselves is an indulgence we dare not bestow upon our own weary bodies and souls. It's almost as though a gift of time, or simply being gentle to ourselves, is an indulgence that we dare not bestow upon our own weary bodies and souls. Always something to be done. But as I once saw on a sign in a gym window, the same gym I would scurry past on my way to do something else, of course. You always have time for the things you put first. Prioritizing doing good things just for you. Imagine. I'd spend the time in the back of yoga class thinking usually not of warrior pose or sun salutations I was supposed to be holding, but of the rest that was soon to come and the popcorn I'd make at home when it was over. Call it a reward on top of a reward. The cherry on the whipped cream. Before the short car ride home, before we pulled down the domed popcorn maker from its perch high in the cupboard, As class was mercifully winding down, we would begin my favorite part of the 90-minute session. It's called Shavasana, the corpse pose, a quiet period to give our stretched-out bodies a rest. The lights dimmed, gentle eastern music droning from a tiny speaker at the front of the room. We would softly be guided through steps to help us release the energy of the previous class and the tension of the day. Our eyes gently closed, relaxing our mouths, our faces, our foreheads, our jaws, our arms, our hands, our legs, our feet, our bellies, our throats, our necks, our shoulders. Oh those poor, overworked shoulders that carry so much of our days and our worries. Sometimes, as we move deeper into the blessed Shavasana, I would hear the rhythmic breathing of the people around me, even the odd sharp snort or inhale. As someone caught themselves falling asleep or in a bit of a snore, I would smile as it reminded me of how exhausted we are, how hard we tend to push ourselves in our waking life, as well as how important that permission is to just be, to relax, to rest, to breathe, just as you and I are doing right now. No right way, no wrong way, just peace. As Shavasana continued, in its languid and perfect pace, ever so slowly, so as not to attract our instructor's attention, I would turn my head to the side at a 45 degree angle to the floor. Then, on those nights she had joined me, I'd peek through a barely opened side eye, and in the darkness of the room, I could make out the figure of my daughter lying there in tranquil repose, like the baby I had tucked in with her treasured blankie. She was covered, as was I, with a blue or beige fleece blanket we'd each brought from home, a light, small, but sufficient rectangle that undoubtedly bore an airline tag from one of our many longer flights. Sometimes I'd feel moisture pooling in the corner of my eye, as I quietly studied my beautiful, headstrong, contented girl. Small beginnings of a tear of gratitude, of peace and happiness. To be there now, not quite as the yoga instructor had intended during that part of the class, I'm sure, but conscious of the gift of that moment, those quiet, blessed minutes of being together in such close proximity and stillness. And then, with a slow and steady stealth, I move my hands off my mat, careful not to attract attention, and walk them the few inches across the hardwood floor, first feeling the edge of her yoga mat, then finding their way to her own hand. Sometimes she'd flinch a bit, had I disturbed her rest. Other times, she would lightly teasingly smacked my fingers away. But most times, she would allow my pinky to rest next to or on top of hers. I always imagined that had her eyes been open, she would be rolling them. She probably wondered why I couldn't leave her alone, even in Shavasana. A light touch, a connection. It was the feeling that I try to imagine when I hold my own hand at night, and I wonder whose hand you're wishing is in yours at this moment. Hmm. A grandfather who helped you put a grimy worm on a hook to try to catch a sunfish on a perfect summer's day. An aunt who guided you through the aisles of stores you had never entered before, letting you examine and feel fabrics that were softer, and more luxurious than you knew existed. A grandmother who guided you as you gingerly plucked blackberries from among the thorny vines to collect in a margarine tub for the next day's breakfast, or showed you how to use a hand mixer, a manual one, to thicken the cream that would make the berries just that much tastier. Perhaps you would take the hand of the woman or man who sat you on their lap as they read from your favorite book, or helped as you sounded out the words, congratulating you with every successful attempt as though you had invented the language. Or, like me, you would hold the hand of the child who always seemed inclined to shake it off and run ahead to new adventures just as she did that May morning, without even a goodbye wave of those hands, those beautiful, soft, and pale piano fingers that I hold in mine right now. Thank you for sharing this story, this memory with me. Now, drift off, and sweet dreams.